Hello, friends. Welcome to the eighth house of astrology, ruler of occult, magic, mystery, and truth. Join me, Sarah, a developing psychic medium with a scientific mind, and my good friend Eliza, a tarotist and thanatologist, as we explore through the lens of the tarot the healing hidden within the deepest and sometimes the darkest corners of the human experience. So this is the Empress episode. And well, first off, let me start with saying the Empress is associated with the mother archetype. And so there's a lot that goes with that. And so my own mother is a Cancer, the zodiological sign. My rising sign is Cancer. So that makes my chart ruler the moon and my moon is in the eighth house. And so that brings up a lot of connection to mother. Mother, Moon is the mother usually in your chart. So, and the fact that mine rising sign and chart ruler is the moon and then the moon is in the eighth house. So there's a lot of mother stuff there. And I started examining that and in wanting to heal those wounds and those traumas and those mother-related things, that karma, I guess you would call it, that I've had in my life or past lives, um, I've I've really delved into that. And so this is going to be a real um, personal way for me to share my story about my bond with my mother and then my story about being a mother and all the extremes that go with that. Um, So this episode is a little different because it's going to be kind of really personal and so maybe a little uncomfortable, but my hope is that this is the exact thing that the podcast was meant to do, was to face these things that we suppress and don't talk about and cry in the dark about, and, um, you know, so I hope that it offers some kind of clarity through sharing of my own story. Um, I think everyone knows that I went to school for thanatology, but personal losses that included lots of miscarriages and problems in the female area have caused me to think about the verb of mother um, mm. and how it, how I embody the mother because I think that's where we're going with these episodes is I am the such and such whatever archetype that we're talking mm-hmm. about and if the tarot cards are an explanation about that then um, I just realized how much I related to this specific archetype and I think we want to start tying that in and showing how they interrelate the cards, the archetypes, and the sequence they go in. Um, so I think it's it's very interesting that if you go back to the fool, the fool is nothingness. The magician is the con- conception, um, the self being created. The high priestess, in a way, is like the womb um, and the mystery and the going inward. Mm. And so the soul could be in the womb. Or when it comes out, then the first encounter with the physical realm is the mother. So in that sense, um, 
these two powerful sacred feminine archetypes are right next to each other. They're really the only ones in the major arcana. And so we've all got a bit of high priestess in us, and we've all got a bit of that mother archetype, whatever your gender or however you identify, whether you've carried a child or not, or wanted Mm -hmm. to, or didn't want to, or have Mm -hmm. fur babies. (laughs) So... (laughs) With that said, did you want to um, mention Um, um, anything about? What I was thinking while you were talking is that healing these aspects of ourselves can only happen if we first become aware of them. It's just one of my hopes that during these conversations and, and people listening might recognize there's an aspect of the empress at play in my potential. Just becoming aware of it, then exploring if there's any healing around that that archetype and the energies it represents. Exactly. And, you know, yeah, I think, um, so I have to mention this. So Sarah and I recorded this previously, The Empress, and it did not take. I actually, it got me thinking of why this episode is so important to me. I actually hit record rather than stop. So there was no way to recover it um, because it became that new recording. Um, So I started thinking, oh my gosh, this is just like a baby. Like if you're trying to get implants, you're trying to get pregnant or you lose the baby to miscarriage or that soul was just not meant to be. And so I started thinking, wow, this episode is really like me. Like it's my feelings. It's the things that it's my eighth house stuff. Not everyone is going to have the same eighth house. Not everyone has any planets in their eighth house. So it's like you said, um, I guess our role in this podcast is to really explore. The tarot provides us with these great archetypes to define and explore and redefine and examine and analyze. And through that, uh, get a multifaceted open-ended understanding of all the things and we're doing it in real time we're we're discovering as Mm -hmm. we go and that's the neat thing and we hope that the listeners can join in the fascination and start thinking about what the characters or archetypes that they really relate to are and like you said like maybe there's trauma around that and how can you heal it and that's what we mean by healing so for you, maybe it's 12th house healer, um, mm-hmm. you know, so you do, I mean, the idea is you had to have some, some astrological, uh, basic knowledge about the 12 houses. They're just the 12 signs in order from Aries to Pisces. So if you know that, you'll know what house is what. So eighth house is the Scorpio house and it's all those intense things, death, taboo, transformation. So yeah, so there's more to come. There's my story. <laughs> so, um, well, first off, just to talk about the actual card, right? It's the Empress and the Emperor are mother and father of the tarot. Um, so the she's the Empress is an Earth sign ruled by Taurus. I mean, sorry, she is Taurus associated, which is ruled by Venus. So Earth mother, fertility lush flowing green life um and it represents 
uh, nature, our connection to all earth things. Um, when we recorded before, we talked about um, I am so in my head um, that I think as a child, I was so shy and introverted and inward that I didn't know how to be in my body. So it took coming into my sexuality to become the empress that I now realize that I am. And so I was able to process things that were all cerebral and spiritual into my physical existence that I have a tendency to avoid. Um, My chart has almost entirely air in it. So that kind of explains that. So I need to ground myself with nature and being in my body. And so I think my sexuality, my womanhood, my motherhood, all the blood and guts and down and dirty stuff that comes with being a physical being um, really has balanced me and helped me and grounded me. So I think that's why I I gravitate to it. Um, like actually laying on the ground, being with animals, talking to plants, hugging trees, mm-hmm. digging in the dirt, mm-hmm. you know. And I think you had that with, you were talking yes, about yes, rain. Yes, and I was and, just going to say, everyone has their own experiences that ground them and calm them. And it may not be anything close to what someone you know uses to do the same. You know, that's part of um, our sensory systems are so complex that no one is exactly the same. Um, You can say the same thing for our minds. So, so yeah, for me, it's water. Water is super calming and grounding for me. And I know that you related it too to my to my fire sign and that that it made sense Mm -hmm. that the water Mm -hmm. would like the opposite whatever you're kind of deficient Mm -hmm. in you need the opposite Mm -hmm. element Mm -hmm. to ground Mm -hmm. you actually that was talked about in our um the first episode i mentioned weston and root Mm -hmm. lock tarot and the what was the family internal family thing that we talked Mm -hmm. about yeah so he also had a really wonderful idea about how some people gravitate towards um certain uh, calming methods, meditation, that's not necessarily meditating. He's like, so So for some people who are very heady, meditating can spiral you into a, pan- a panic attack. So that might not be the best thing to shut yourself off and close your eyes and go inward. Um, so that is a bit Oh, that influenced a little bit of, of my thinking about like opposite elements um, being complementary to to types of sensory experiences and how we all experience input in different ways. Like to some, rain or a shower might be too overstimulating. You know, maybe they don't need that. Uh, maybe they need some, like like for me, like going lying on the ground, <laughs> going barefoot. Um, so the empress represents nature, all that stuff. Um, and then as far as like the actual mother herself, the qualities of selflessness, giving, opening, there's that element of the mother biology where there's a purging, there's an opening. Um, I was thinking how much we, the high priestess is represented by the moon, 
but it's that mysterious quality that like dark moon whereas the the empress the mother is more of a going with the cycles of the earth and expanding her belly and contracting to to expel something the shedding of the lining of the womb and all those physical types of magic that women have as well where you have like a swelling of the body and then a purging of the body and it kind of mirrors like um i was thinking of kali the goddess of destruction the hindu goddess where things are um like in order to have fertile ground which is what we think of a mother as you kind of have to like you know like forest fires or something where you it clears out um Mm -hmm. space for for fertility to then happen for the seed to grow um so this there is this um so like if you get the card right if you drew empress she could also stand for creative anything and that's why i started thinking about our podcast and this show because it's a creative endeavor it's something that i'm nurturing um it's it grows inside of me (laughs) it evolves and at the same time, it's as if I've birthed it, and now I'm sustaining it and protecting it and holding it sacred, and I would let nothing harm it and respecting and honoring it, you know, all that stuff that mothers do. Um, so anybody could conceive, conceive of uh, whatever they hold dear and whatever their life's work or their something that they're working on. And then, on, and, and so, like, if it's the opposite, say you get the, the Empress in reverse, it could talk about literal, you know, or it could say, like, uh, issues with your own mother, um, like relationship issues, uh, or it could signify just a lack of fulfillment, a lack of feeling filled and um, being empty, having emptiness. I wanted to mention this really cool uh, idea about emptiness for people who may want to get pregnant. And I've been there um, or, you know, you've miscarried or lost a pregnancy or you've just lost a dream that was your baby. um, Hmm. Something you really wanted to see grow and it didn't. So our my good friend. And one of our supporters for the show, her name is Erin, and she found a really cool calendar at a thrift store, and it's called um, We Moon Gaia Rhythms for Women, The Magical Dark. And so there was a poem in there by a Sophia Faria, and a little excerpt from it is, How do we carry the emptiness as women without needing to fill it? Return to the dissolved self, deep rest and surrender, gestation in becoming, which that was interesting. It reminded me of our first episode. Yep, and the dissolved mind too. And nothingness, right? To be a clear vessel of life, emptiness contains Mm -hmm. all you ever need. Emptiness is intimacy with life. Emptiness Mm -hmm. holds space for everything. 
So I just I loved that's, that spin. That's on awesome. It. It's kind pretty. Of like, I felt empty, but yeah. then yeah, I was like, wow, okay, back to that fool mm-hmm. idea of nothing being everything. I mean, you mentioned meditation, and, and you know, though it, some people may not feel like it's for them. That's really what the 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 purpose is is to is mm, to yeah. as you as you sit and as you practice, you are expanding your your space for emptiness or living without um judgment of what should happen next or you know just being in the present moment is Mm. you could say literally everything or or nothing you know it's like nothing meaning i don't i'm not holding on to anything i don't none of the things in my existence in this moment are possessed by me it's just this moment is a container for an experience and that's it Mm -hmm. that's what a yoga pose is a yoga pose is a container for an experience listening to a song is a container for an experience if you're living with that emptiness or that presence of mind you know i love it i love that i this completely changed my thinking around Mm -hmm. emptiness Mm -hmm. um I think a lot of people are scared definitely, of it. Definitely. Definitely. That's one of the unknowns that, again, it's a natural part of being a human on earth is we want to be attached to things. We want to think mm. that the things mm. that we love the most are never going to go away. I think that's what is super different about having something, having a life mm-hmm. actually filling your insides. Mm-hmm. Um, that's connected to you by a cord, by blood, by bodily stuff by genetics like um when you've experienced that and then there's not it's taken out somehow or it leaves um that sort of emptiness is so just Mm. agonizing um and it, it also like when you talked about container it speaks to uh in grieving terminology mm. i know there's like a con- a grief container as well hmm. had you heard that before i haven't so you want to have a container for your grief mm-hmm. i don't like i i don't want to think about it like putting something in a box or like compartmentalizing some part of you it's mm-hmm. not that i want to point out the whole uh sort of like portal between realms that mm. a mother is almost like this opening that happens and ah, something I forgot to mention was that the Empress card in the classic Rider-Waite-Smith portrayal of her, she sits with um, a gown. I think she has Venus on her gown, like the glyph for Venus. Mm. And then she has a crown of stars. Mm. So I, I, I know that it technically, you know, I've read write-ups about it, and I think that it signifies her connection to the cosmos and Earth, and, you know, just she's here on Earth, but she still has this um, celestial mm-hmm. connection. Yeah. Um, she's but wearing- I almost want to think it's more like her high priestess side, where she's connected to this uh, spirit, to a lineage, past lives, you know. Yeah. intergenerational trauma almost. Um, and it was really wild because I was thinking about this, talking to my mother about something unrelated, and then she texted me. Um, she always has the best ways of describing 
herself as a mother. Mm. And she kind of takes no credit. She's super humble about it. And so she said, oh, I just appreciate you. I was just uh, your sliding board from the stars. (laughs) So I just love that. I love that concept that the birth canal is the sliding board from from the stars, you know, (laughs) like it's from one life to the next. And if they've come from one life to this one or how exactly they pass through. Um, there's so many beliefs I know surrounding the loss of, well, the, I keep talking about losses because obviously that's what's kind of my healing mm, need. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's the whole, like what happens when you lose a baby in utero or it doesn't make it. Um, mm-hmm. some say that, you know, they might come back as the next child. Some, mm-hmm. um, I actually read a really cool thing that where, I don't know if if this is like normal that people know what this term is, but an animal familiar, that's kind of how I refer to my own animals. Um, when I, you know, the word witch is, is just a weird one. So it has to be said at some point, like <laughs> it's right there. <laughs> it's right there. I know it's like mainstream now, but right. Um, there are other connotations where, in, in certain times that was like, oh my gosh, you said witch, someone's a witch. Like, um, witch really just means wisdom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's where the word comes from, a wise woman. But my whole point in bringing it up was that I read that witches used to say um, that they're familiars, which are just animals that came into their lives and assisted them with their herbal you know, tinctures they would give other women to support women and children. Witches did wonderful things and still do. Um, Mm -hmm. So I I don't want to, like, I can might consider myself a witch. You might consider yourself a Mm -hmm. witch. I just don't want to, like, speak out of turn and claim something I'm not practicing or, you know what I'm saying? In the old days, whatever they were, when when people thought of, you know, magic women who did um, things with herbs and natural healing and stuff um that's what it was they were healers Mm -hmm. witches are healers Mm -hmm. generally speaking so um there was a fear by a lot of the male counterparts that 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 was intimidating what are you doing we have ways of doing things women so so, you know that whole thing my god we can have an entire episode yeah yeah so it's one of the indicators that they were a witch would would be sometimes that they had an animal assistant who would hang around it's like that's how the whole uh superstition about black cats um arose Mm -hmm. and it's really ridiculous but anyway my point was that they would claim that that was their lost child Mm. who came back to them so that that was all i was gonna say to finish that thought that's beautiful and actually it makes me want to like read up on that history and find out more about it that I have a whole book on animal familiars and I took it out of there it's from again that woman Mm -hmm. who wrote about uh becoming who does the channeled Mm -hmm. writing for her the white witch Mm -hmm. of uh LA Mm -hmm. (laughs) her name's Maja Doust but um yeah that was my first deck ever and she writes books too she has an amazing book called neat oh my god animal familiars so many books so I'll, I'll put it in the show notes I forgot about that one and so that's the whole idea with the the familiar is that the mm-hmm. animal familiar yeah. just shows up and is like, you know me. And, and then you're like, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know that Rooster Owl 
is one of my lost children per se Mm -hmm. but he's been doing this crazy thing where i think it's possible for a number of reasons that he is my um my grandfather that i never met so let me get to that because this is really crazy so um i'm gonna start with where i first became connected to my mom Mm -hmm. um one of my first memories right was when my sister was born when I was almost four years old. Now she was born at home by accident. My mom has a clotting disorder. So she nearly hemorrhaged to death. And my dad assisted the birth. And my sister was born in the amniotic sac. Wow. Too. So it's like she was not going to make it. And my mom was not going to make it. And my dad was, you know, I'm there. I'm like, I think I witnessed the aftermath. You know, like, I don't remember at what point I witnessed. But I think something happened where she energetically, physically, empathically transferred to me. Or I took it on. And that's the Mm -hmm. first time I remember, in hindsight, that I became empathic, like, could feel and be what somebody else was experiencing Mm -hmm. recently I learned there's a term for it called mirror synesthesia Mm -hmm. now I know that I have various types of synesthesia which is like the inner melding of senses but it also can be like experiential not just sensory Mm -hmm. so this is kind of so what it is is it's something you can see and it starts happening to you as well. But for me, it's like you and I have talked about this, like you're watching a movie or for me, I can even be talking to someone and they start telling me when they broke their leg and all about the, the details. And I, I mean, I literally like, I can't Mm -hmm. separate myself from their experience just because Mm -hmm. I'm hearing about it. Um, Mm -hmm. audio is like my biggest sense. So, um, hearing is my biggest sense so um I think you know people talking on the phone to me oh I have the worst headache or whatever I'm just like I I better go because I Mm -hmm. um and that is why I a little bit fear doing something like mediumship because Mm -hmm. I'm very tuned into it almost to the point where I I can't control it but it also makes me think having had spirits in me and how connected that the mother, I, at least for me, because mm-hmm. I tend towards that, but you might be communing with that spirit. Mm-hmm. And so you're in a contract with them and you say, hey, let's um, let's work this out. So t- to talk about Izzy, um, my daughter, I just wanted to fast forward a bit. When I carried her um, and connection to the the spirit, I've, I've lost so many that I feel like, like I lost... A pregnancy before her um, when I was with my ex I was very young and I just remember feeling so protective it was like out of the ordinary protective like I felt like I couldn't walk across the street kind of thing mm-hmm. I felt incredibly sick like I'd never since was in other pregnancies um, so there were like indicators and then I had a dream that uh, I had a lamb and a, the little lamb, like suddenly this huge, massive hawk came down and took it. 
and then I, I miscarried. Mm. And it was so traumatic for me that I had, um, that's when I, basically I, I was, I developed fibromyalgia um, as sort of a reaction to that trauma. Mm. So, um, but I just wanted to mention like the actual pregnancy thing, the things that I like about it are feeling something in me like there's something so magical about knowing that it's just this sort of um power like a superpower and you're connected to this other being so in in that way the mother and the child are almost like twins Mm -hmm. you know where it's Mm -hmm. like you're cycling blood and nourishment and, and and so when they come out of your body the result is um feeling like I like that thing that I have with my mother I also then had with my children like even now when they're in their 20s um for instance Izzy Izzy got the um that's my first Isabel she um and then I have my son William Isabel got the booster shot and had a swollen gland and like on her birthday recently and she told me about it and I was like oh my god that is why I woke up I was like what side is it and sure enough it was the same side I was having pain in the same exact spot not even knowing Mm. but I mean it just happened all through their childhoods and it still happens like I know what is going on in their bodies it's really wild or I don't know huh Um, you're kind of making me think about the the symptoms of fibromyalgia and I'm, mm. I'm now I'm wondering like the correlation between those who have such a low threshold for sensing other people's pain and I their think bodies. it's sensory I th- yeah I, I totally mean think I'm just wondering you know if they did some research on people or empathic exactly. or like I don't know yeah yeah it could all Synesthesia. be the same thing yeah yeah um but yeah stuff so just to go back okay so I had this connection with my mom I told you about my sister being born and that's sort of when I like had this inseparable physical experience this mirror synesthesia where I couldn't um sort of separate from my mom and I know that she had a similar thing with her mom she was the oldest of all girls I'm the oldest of three girls you're you're the youngest, technically, of three, yeah. of three girls. Mm-hmm. A twin, but still came out last. 38 minutes um, later than her. <laughs> like, I want to hear that story. Yeah. I think that would be great. Um, and so my my mom had issues with her mom because of her, her mom had like, uh, okay, her mom was born into a shoebox in a blizzard in Connecticut. They didn't think she was going to make it. And Holy she she was a... Yeah, so this was 1924. She was, it's not even sure, we don't even know her actual mother, but her so-called mother and sister went out to birth this baby because it was a secret and it was apparently out of wedlock or unwanted somehow. She looked different from the rest of her siblings and she was ostracized and the father was abusive and she was sent away to live with the aunt who on her, my grandmother told me on her deathbed, told her she was her real mother. So it's just this crazy family stuff. And she was, 
a nurse, a head nurse ahead of her time, a go-getter woman, my grandmother, but she did not know how to handle mothering. And she had five girls and was very not nice a lot Mm. of the time. My mom began to write a memoir at one time. And um, in any case, there's some stuff. And so what I'm saying is there's some genetic stuff that I think transfers from mother to especially daughter, maybe first daughter. And um, I feel like I sort of was like receiving all of this stuff, not knowing how to process it sort of. And um, there was... Like, I almost feel like I, I was living, a, I would come to live a parallel mother life of my mother. She had multiple miscarriages. She was, she became very depressed because that was like her expression of, she needed to fill her life and feel, feel things filling in her, around her. And she loved children and being a mother. That was her identity. Mm-hmm. And so it became really heartbreaking for her to not be able to, fill the home with all the children she wanted to have. And she was a wonderful, loving, 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 loving mother. Mm -hmm. Like, so um, I think she was in a way making up for the childhood she had and wanting to nurture herself and her, her children. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So with all of her losses, oh my gosh, we had this little dog and she ran out and got hit by a car. I saw it. I was like 16 years old. I was like, my mother is going to... She was suicidal at times. She had suicide ideation. And I was like, oh, no, I'm going to lose my mom. Like, she's not going to make it past this. She was... Mm. I'd never seen her like that. It was scary, and it was overwhelming. And soon after, she got pregnant with my youngest sister, and I always felt like everything's going to be fine now. <laughs> wow. Um, and it it makes you wonder, were you hearing yeah. whispers of your soon-to-be sister's spirit saying, hey, it's going to it's gonna get better, it's going to, you know, things are yeah. going to change or whatever. Yeah. Oh, and I know what I was going to say. So, like, those spirits that really want to be here. Mm. It seems like sometimes, like, that exuberant puppy, like Nate, you know, who was so full of life, Mm -hmm. they're taken so soon. And sometimes that's the case with those spirits, too. They're just just too intangible. They just need to move on or something. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's others, like, I lost my first pregnancy to miscarriage, and then... When I was pregnant with Izzy, I it was just so different, and I could tell like our connection was so strong, and I knew she was a girl, um, and I knew like what she was gonna look like. I knew her colors. I mean, like with the synesthesia stuff, it's like I would feel movement and and see colors to it. I mean, I don't know. It's just it was. Maybe that maybe pregnancy synesthesia is a thing, and maybe that's why I oh. loved it so much. Well, yeah, but, I mean it's it's intuition. If you ask me, it's just one yeah. piece of of intuition, and you're just you're a very intuitive person. So I think it's so, amazing, and, and, and I think it's oh, important and to I share. think that yeah, it's it's the communing with that, 
And because I've been pregnant so many times that I can tell there's distinct beings, you know, like they are not. So that's why. So maybe I would disagree that like the same soul could come back. Mm -hmm. Well, I think some people think, you know, I lost I lost my baby to miscarriage or whatever. And then I'm going to try again. And then they're like, oh, oh, I finally had my baby like it's the same spirit and it was just wasn't ready that time and now mm-hmm. it's ready mm-hmm. um i think they're all different mm, interesting yeah i don't know I, I guess i'm not sure which one i believe i mean i i don't know yet but i i think it's possible yeah. i think it's possible yeah oh yeah i'm not ruling anything out but yeah from my experience at least the ones who come into me mm. they've all been completely different mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I talked about it right in the full episode where I, I, I was asking myself the question, am I a conduit for my friend who died becoming my son? Now my questions were, well, wait, I got pregnant mm-hmm. before he died. So how could that happen? Um, and so when I saw him as a ghost and my son was in the same room as an infant, it kind of answered my question. I was like, right. Or did it? <laughs> but I was like, at the time, I was like, okay, if he's right. him, then how are they both here at the same time? It's like well, it depends Superman on who and you Clark ask. Kent. There are plenty of people who will say, oh, exactly. it's very, you know, it would say it's totally possible. And I'm probably in that field. Yeah, no, I, I started thinking that too. In you know, when it wasn't so close, when it, time had passed, and now I know my son; he's a grown up, and we've talked about it together. Um, it's just, it's, because this was 20 years ago, but I, I, I think that it's possible the way that, the, the date that my friend died was the first time I felt my mm-hmm. son move inside of me. And with the electric feeling, it felt as though he passed through. So I always imagined that he mm-hmm. grazed my son in the spirit and... So he is literally a spiritual part of his, mm-hmm. you know, his spiritual existence. So it really, it was like, this is really like proved that to me. So as far as like, so the woman being a portal, the mother being a portal, lives coming and going through her kind of thing. Um, so I had this recent experience where there was this darn tree stump root type dead a tree that died right in the beautiful little garden grove that I've been tending and being an empress with and so I and I also have my little so I've had a lot of pet rats and they don't have short they have very short lives so I have these little memorial hearts with their names on them in this whole little circular cemetery Mm. sort of thing in the garden and so this this tree that broke was really like messing up the aesthetic and I was determined to get it out of there. And it was like, there was like ropes tied to brackets from so long ago and it just was not coming out. But I just went at it for days and days and days. And I thought about myself as some sort of midwife, you know, birthing Mm -hmm. this, this Mm -hmm. thing out of the ground. And so I started thinking about how I'm so, like I almost have this this mother vibe, but also the other end of it, this, you know, 
um, guide to the other side part of me that I'm interested in. Mm, so mm-hmm. there's also um, there's a card that perfectly depicts it in an oracle deck called Death Mother. Mm. So what I'll do is I'll put a picture of it when I post our cool little okay. collages that I put together because mm-hmm. <laughs> I have so many cards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so I do believe that, you know, in this concept of the familiar um, where, you know, a spirit could show up in another form or at least bring a message of familiarity to comfort mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the person mm-hmm. or... Um, align with you know maybe like I said about Nate like grazed my son's spirit so that I would always have him with me somehow Mm -hmm. who knows yeah so when I was pregnant with Izzy um I think that was probably the most memorable because it was my first you know I carried her to term and I had the whole all the pregnancy dreams which were so interesting like uh, one time I dreamed that she was um, a hummingbird's caught in a spider web. Wow. And then another time, so speaking of why she wouldn't come out, and I had, I literally labored for five days from a midnight Monday to a, she was born Friday morning. Um, so between January 11th and 15th. Wow. Um, and it would mostly, I went, I went, I was a week overdue. I went to go get checked on that Monday, the 11th. They said, uh, you're, you're in labor, but no big deal. Go home, relax. It's going to pick up, come back. You know, um, I was with the nurse mo- midwives. Um, and so they were very relaxed about it. They said, it's all natural. It's fine. Mm-hmm. So, so the, by the Thursday night after every single night of having intense contractions, cause they would kind of like be manageable during the day. I kind of would be distracted by going about my day at night. Oh my gosh. They would just, this was the Wednesday night. Either way, it was like four nights into having no sleep and contractions. And so I'm like, so delirious. I'm like fading in and out of contractions and sleep and stuff. And I dreamt that she was on a monitor, like that I had gone to the hospital. She was being monitored on a screen And that I could see her contractions, but on the screen, they were trees swaying. Oh, my God. And it was so cool. (laughs) So I just, yeah, I was like ready for anything. And then she just, when we got there, we, they did everything possible, like broke the water, like um, Pitocin to stimulate the contractions. I'm like, I didn't need that giving me an epidural because they were likely going to have to do the C-section, but I almost got to completely dilated. But the problem was it turned out she was transverse and breech, which is transverse and posterior, something like that. But she was basically sideways and upside down and wedged to where there was no way she was going to come out. So I think that she just really liked being a soul in me. Probably. That's so. I love the image of the trees, though, you know, because trees are really cool? like symbols of staying steadfast amidst chaos around you, you know? Yeah. A and they were. Oh, and another thing that same night, I think it was, um, owls were outside of our window. Mm. And I kind of started freaking out because I had read all this folklore mm-hmm. about 
they were omens of death and I was mm-hmm. like oh my god I'm gonna die the baby's gonna die like and that's what made me say okay we need to I need to figure out what's happening here mm-hmm. but so maybe they um warned me I would die <laughs> if I didn't take care of maybe. something or maybe but, it was a transformation <laughs> or transmutation yeah, even yeah you know? yeah so I do think there's um hints of empress in even that experience where trees are definitely like a thing with me and then my my daughter too we can both talk to plants and trees and things Mm and um so moving on from that a big thing is um I kind of I think the last thing here is oh no hold on I want to mention too the um cool cool connection between my other pregnancy birth and with William, there was none of this stuff, except for, okay, so here's a crazy thing. I, my water broke on its own, but get this, I, I had, um, I had met uh, a wonderful doula who was going to be there, and she was, she came, but she said, she called me and said, Eliza, okay, my daughter is going to college, I've got to go to this, um, orientation this weekend and I know it's going to be like any time for you and I oh my gosh like can I set you up with somebody else like I don't know what to do I don't what do you think would you be comfortable you know all this stuff mm-hmm. and um she's like because I could I cannot go but I I really hate to do that and so I'm talking to her we're just talking we kind of relax into the conversation and I'm like oh my god I think my water just broke so I was like, wow. she was so witchy. Yes. <laughs> she was like, you will have this baby. <laughs> and um, yeah, um, so it was it was a Friday. Both my kids were born on Fridays. Wow. And yeah, anyway, so when he was born, a mockingbird was right there. Um, he was also a C-section, wouldn't come out. My kids just love me too much. But... <laughs> Um, so they, there was this crazy little mockingbird. This was at a a beautiful fall day. Um, so the weather was wonderful and the balcony was out and there was, there was a mockingbird watching over me and the baby. And I just felt like, wow, you're really here to like, and so mockingbirds have kind of become, I associated them with my son, especially because he's a singer Mm -hmm. and. Um, so what's really crazy is that the day that you said I uploaded The Fool, our first episode, which Mm -hmm. featured Nate, Mm -hmm. who I believe is part of my son, um, a mutual friend sent me a message that said, I had been looking for this letter everywhere with this drawing and blah, blah, blah that Nate had given me. And I just found it. And it had a whole, um... It said, I am the mockingbird, or I will travel with the mockingbird. Mm-hmm. I'll travel in a mockingbird, I think it was. I mean, it was like that specific, and I just was like, wait a second. Yeah, that's incredible. Are you telling me, like, you really are? Like, you, like, now that I know that he wrote that, I will travel in a mockingbird? And then. That's amazing. I mean. Another confirmation. I mean, I'm just like. Oh, yeah. Wow. So. Mom's so my last thing is. Bird. <laughs> <laughs> Don't buy so my a last thing bird. is just is um so my 
my grandfather died when my mom was pregnant with me. So she was mourning and pregnant at the same time, just like I was with Nate, but that was her father. And her father sort of played her mother um, in her life. Mm. So he was more her, He's he was a cancer too. And he actually died at my age because he worked on the, the A-bomb, the Manhattan Project. He was recruited because he was a chemist, brilliant young chemist. Wow. Died of pancreatic cancer, just like all those people did. And um, he you know they got the settlement they had to share it among the sisters the survivors finally but um the crazy thing is rooster owl keeps going to my shelf in february the month that he died in 1973 just before i was born and keeps pulling down hiroshima the book about the atomic bomb and i'm like okay what is up here al are you my grandfather are you trying to get a message to me what is happening here you know maybe I, like yeah like what so if that's... they just step in for like a day and you know like know. move their consciousness through these animals i don't know right. it's i think so so, cool. so i mean that's just my my final point and kind of my experience or my i i think my story has not been as linear as i imagined it would be but that's okay I think that um I just wanted to kind of say like there's definitely studies that have been done and that was sort of my main interest in the eighth house and and going into thanatology and what happens after we die what happens between motherhood and the bringers of life and then being prepared to let it go and like are you the mother or the daughter or like it's it's just this ambiguous thing.